0: This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment.
1: What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back. The Primetime Podcast returns here on Most Valuable Podcast and... You guys can see us this week. Hello. Welcome in. If you're on YouTube, if you're on Blog Talk Radio, thank you for listening to us each and every week. We got a jam-packed show for you guys. But this past week of college football, Brandon, I mean, the end of it, I'll be honest, I kind of ignored it because my Cubbies were you playing them, in the right? NLCS. You own the Cubs. I do. My Cubbies. I, I own them. Me, me, and, me and Mr. Ricketts, we're kind of working together. Yeah, I know Ricketts. He's a great guy. Love the guy. He, he does all the front scenes stuff i'm behind the scenes i'm behind I, I don't want any of the credit i want to be a commodore or a commoner that's what i'm looking for a, a commodore yeah a, a okay. commodore, would be cool a commodore. Too. but we had some great games this week tennessee got blown out exactly we also had the badgers and the buckeyes play a close one we had indiana almost upsetting the nebraska corn huskers we had the arkansas old miss game and i can't wait because all of this is all leading up to those college football playoff rankings that we're going to get in about a week or so
0: yeah that's exciting i mean there's there was there's there was so much going on this week and i think that you know october is definitely the the month where the magic starts to happen, you know, and and you find out who the who the real good teams are. You find out who the teams are that eh, they were they were doing pretty well, but now they're starting to play the meat of their schedule. They're not doing so well. Another team that almost got upset, Clemson, and uh, oh, I think, I, 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 think you about were, I think you were almost uh, happy to uh, see Clemson well, get upset. But it's not that they I hate that.
1: It's not that I hate them. It's just I like I not like I love Louisville so much this season that I wanted Clemson to lose so that Louisville. Could be right back in there, and one more loss from Clemson means that Louisville would be playing for that ACC title game, probably maybe a uh, college football playoff berth.
0: And folks, a funny thing: so Ricky, myself, and our very own Sean Anderson, we were out to dinner on Friday night, and that's when Louisville was playing. They were playing mm-hmm. Duke, and and at the time, I think the score was ten to 7, 14 mm-hmm. to seven, something like that. And and uh, Ricky was getting really nervous, and then Louisville, we found out, you know, won the game, and Ricky was really upset that that. Lamar Jackson had only scored two touchdowns. Only two. He was very upset, beside one, himself. actually. One through
1: the air, one through the ground. That's not Lamar action, Jackson. That's not the guy that uh, that I, that I'm growing up right now. Growing up as a 26 year old kid. Yeah, I said kid, not a man. I'm a kid. Growing up, I'm watching him right now. That, that's not the that's not the Lamar Jackson that I know and love. So we want a little more touchdowns from him. But we got a jam packed show. We're going to be looking at the SEC, Texas A&M, and Alabama. Looking at the Big Twelve. How would an undefeated Big 12 team fare in the college football playoff rankings this season? And then we're going to look at the hot seats for college football head coaches. Who's on the hottest seat? Who could get fired at the end of this year? And, Brandon, we are going to start in the SEC. Texas A&M, two weeks ago, played Tennessee, beat them 45-38. Tennessee almost came back in that one to beat the Aggies. They get the week off Alabama this week, played that same Tennessee team, rolled them, 49-10, to 10, didn't stand a chance, hurt on the ground, only had 28 yards for the Tennessee Vols on the ground, just stifling defense, great play from Hertz and all of the guys at Alabama. Where I saw an article today on ESPN where someone's like, dare we say it, we're seeing the new and improved Alabama Crimson Tide football team but we got a big matchup this week. Same, divi- like, divisional foes, SEC. It's no doubt winner of this game is going on to play for the SEC title game at the end of the year.
0: Well, it's a game of the unbeatens. And I think that that's, that's the biggest thing. And I'll take a look at at the upcoming game kind of from the Alabama perspective. You want to take a look yep. at it from the, from the A&M perspective. I, I think for Alabama right now, you know, they were a team that when we were when we were talking about Teams And we were making our predictions in the preseason about who's going to go to the, how teams are going to fare, who's going to win the the conferences, and then who's going to end up going to the playoffs. And, and I had Alabama in there, but I, I, I did not think that they were going to be as good as what they were last season. They could be better. I mean, they have looked really, really good. And yesterday's showing was, was a big it was a big showing and and i, I want to say that because I, I know that you uh kind of a tennessee hater this season because you're so upset with with the with the luck that uh th- that they've been able to to have it it's at, at certain times this year but i think that alabama they came out and that, that was a st- you know you can can you really Stable say win. that it was a statement game for them i think you can i would because they come out and they don't only beat the number nine team they roll the number nine team and they beat them 49 to 10. And I think that the Jalen Hurts has really done a good job as a quarterback for the Crimson Tide this season. He only has 143 yards through the air, and he, he also has an interception, but he has over 130 yards on the ground with three touchdowns. That's why he is so dangerous. That's what has made him so good. That's what makes him so good because he is that quarterback that he'll beat you in so many ways and you cannot defend against that because mm-hmm. if you defend against the pass, he's going to beat you with, with with his legs. If you defend against him being able to run, then he'll just beat you through the air. Well, it's going to open exactly up more lanes did. for some of the guys to be able to run some routes down the field and that is what Alabama thrives on. They thrive on being able to confuse the defenses, mm-hmm. not know exactly what they're going to do and I think that that's one thing. They love Jalen Hurts, the true freshman. He is going to be very good for this Alabama team for years to come.
1: Well, and that's exactly what Hurts did. I mean, 143 yards through the air, a buck 32 on the ground, had three touchdowns, all of his touchdowns on the ground as Bo Scarborough had over 100 yards only on five carries. That's phenomenal, even in itself for the running back. But the defense for Alabama, too, was stifling in that Tennessee game this past week, holding Tennessee's main rusher to 28 yards in the game. Joshua Dobbs only had 92 yards on 16 completions, and he only threw 27 passes. Didn't have a touchdown, only had an INT. Finished with a QBR of 3.7. 3.7, lowest that I've seen ever in a box score that I can remember. But this game is going to be so important because it's going to be whichever offense. To me, it's going to be whichever offense can take advantage because Alabama's defense, we saw it against Tennessee. They're not playing around. They'll limit your quarterback. They'll limit your running back. They'll make you punt, 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 turnover, punt, 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 punt. That's just what they will do. But with Texas A&M on their side, they also have that strong defense too. They have a guy in Miles Garrett who is the best pass rusher in college football right now who even on draft boards, Mel Kuyper came out with his latest draft board this past week. Miles Garrett's at the top. That's how good this kid is. And I think that defense could rule this game where we're not going to see a 45-38 kind of a game. This is going to be a, like, if it's close, like 27-24 or like 28-20 or like even 17-10 to kind of a game. Defenses are going to rule it. And then basically it's okay. McKnight, Hurts. Which one of you guys is going to take the team, take the ball within your own hands, and win the game for your team? Because looking at Texas A&M, they did not roll Tennessee. Like, that's the great thing about this matchup. We can look at these two teams' last games and kind of compare them pretty well because they played the exact same opponent. Alabama did it on the road, uh, Texas A&M did it at home. That's the only difference. And with Texas AM, the defense let Joshua Dobbs almost throw for 400 yards, but they did force. Two picks on him, 127 yards for the backup Camara because Herds didn't even play that game. To me, the to me I'm going to side with Alabama. They're obviously the favorite, but Texas A&M this year has surprised me because Brandon. Remember in the preseason when we were talking about Kevin Sumlin, we're saying, "Oh well, th- there's a chance that he's probably going to get fired at the end of the year. Not going to be a great year for him." But the transfer of Trevor Knight has proved to be a good one for the Aggies. I I
0: think it has been. And I think that one of the things that we were definitely looking at, too, was, was Ke- can Kevin Sumlin get a hold of this team and, and really bring them together mm-hmm. with everything? He's done it. He's done it. He knew that there was pressure on him. I, I think that he probably felt that pressure. And, and I think that... Uh, I think that his guys have come out and they've performed for him, and I think that uh, they've come out and they've been better than what even other people have expected. Mm-hmm. You know, even the, the the people who are out there every day as their actual job, going out there, following a and m stuff like that. I think they've surprised those guys too, the beat writers, everything. And I think that that's one of the big things they've they've really come alive with with their offense. I think that they've shown some really good defense. I think that it's going to be a real big battle come Saturday. It's going to be a fun one though. I think it's definitely going to be a fun one. And I think that, you know, too it's going to be kind of who else is going to be able to show up? Not just not just Hurts, not just Knight. Who else is going to to come into this? I think that that's going to be a really big piece as well. Who else gets involved? Is it going to be on the offensive side? Is it going to be on the defensive side? You know, Alabama had a really big presence defensively with this past weekend. Mm -hmm. It was one of the first plays, I shouldn't say one of the first plays, it was one of the first scores, it was the second score of the game, a 58-yard interception return for a touchdown that kind of, I I think, really put a cap on how the day was going to go for, for Alabama and for Tennessee as well. Tennessee only scored 10 points, and... I think that Josh Dobbs really was frustrated back there. He completes 16 passes, only gets 92 yards on the day. It was really a struggle for him. So I think that moving into this next week, it's this Alabama defense. Mm-hmm. It's this Alabama defense. And I think that it's this front line. Are they going to be able to get pressure on night? I think they will. But I think that then it's the offensive line on the other side for a how how are they going to be able to put up a defense against the Alabama front seven defensively? And are they going to be able to keep Trevor Knight upright? That's going to be the big question.
1: Well, and that's the big thing is which team can get started quick enough is obviously going to have the better advantage in this game. But I'm looking at the history right now between these two teams. And since Texas A&M came over to the SEC. This is going to be the ninth meeting between these two clubs where as I'm looking at right here on Wins Winsipedia.com and Alabama leads the season series six to two. Largest margin of victory for the Alabama Crimson Tide, 59 to nothing. Largest margin of victory for Texas AM, 29 to 24. And Alabama has a three-game winning streak. Texas A&M hasn't won since 2012, back when they had, uh, who at their quarterback? Do you remember who their quarterback was for Texas m in 2012?
0: Um Oh, for Texas. Oh, it was uh, Johnny Manziel.
1: Johnny Football. And that was the game where he went 253 yards, two touchdowns, no INTs, 92 yards on the ground. Ryan Swoops had 111 yards in one of those touchdown receptions. Where A.J. McCarron, that's where he threw the two picks. Eddie Lacy, T.J. Yeldon. Whoa, those were some good days for Alabama and even Texas A&M and the SEC. But that game was that 29-24 to 24 margin of victory game for The Texas A&M Aggies. This is the kind of game I think we are going to see this year. That kind of a score, five point game, really close game. We're not going to see the ones like that, fifty nine to nothing that Alabama put on for their largest victory against Texas A&M. I think this is going to be a dogfight. I think this is going to be two good teams where I think at the end of it, it is going to be such a good game that we're sitting there. And we are going, well, damn, why can't both of these two teams play again for the SEC title game? That's how good this is going to be because we are going to look across the side at Tennessee, Florida, Georgia. And we're we're probably going to want to say next week when we're sitting here doing this podcast— We're going to want to say, you know what, Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, it's nice, but get out of here. We're just going to let Texas A&M take your spot so that we can see this game again this season. That's how good it's going to be.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't think that there's going to be anything that disappoints, uh, for this game. I think it's going to be exactly how you said. I don't think there, it's going to be a blowout on either side. I could definitely see a 30 to 27, a 30 to 24 <laughs> final score in that one. I, I, I think it's going to be a very, very good game. I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be big. Uh, and mainly because it's, it's going to define exactly what happens the rest of the season going forward. And it's going to define that, that, uh, that final game for the uh, for the championship game in, in the SEC.
1: Yeah, this is basically the SEC West championship game because both these teams are undefeated. Auburn has two losses in conference. LSU has two losses in conference. Arkansas has two losses in conference. Well, guess what? Most of those losses, except for the teams that have not played both of these, are usually coming from these two. So this will probably be a game where the loser of this will finish with one loss. The winner will finish undefeated, hopefully, this season. And then they'll either have to play Tennessee or Florida. Right now, Florida in the driver's seat of that SEC East because of Tennessee's last two losses to A&M and Alabama. But before we move on, Brandon, is there anything, anything that we're missing? I
0: don't think there's anything that we're missing, but I think that for, on, on on my side, taking a look at the Alabama side, it's Jalen Hurts, and it's what is he going to be able to do against Texas A&M, probably one of the best teams that they've gone up against this season. He's going to have to bring his A game. He's been bringing it, though, I feel like all season mm-hmm. long. He's going to have to kind of remember it was like the game against Ole Miss, and he brought his A game for that one. That offense was there. Defensively, they did give up a lot of points to Ole Miss, a very high-flying offense. You're going to be taking on another high-flying offense. I would almost say that Ole Miss's offense might be able to pull it, put up more points than a and in generally speaking. Mm-hmm. But I think that Hurts, if he brings the game that he brought when they played Ole Miss, I think they're going to be just fine.
1: Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below what you guys think. What do you think? Who's going to win this game? What are the keys? What are you looking from it? Do you agree with me that this will probably be the best SEC game that we see this season? But we're going to move on into our next discussion, and we're going to move over into the Big 12. And the reason why we're having this discussion now is we're about, like I said earlier, we're about a week or so into the big, or the college football playoff rankings. I'm too concerned on this Big 12 thing. <laughs> and right now it's Sean Anderson. I'm going to give him props. He actually kind of sparked this little nougat in my head. I because nougat. yesterday he was talking about, oh, well, how do you think a West Virginia or a Baylor would fare in the college football playoff? Because Clemson was going to, like, we thought at the time Clemson was going to lose. What if they do lose? It's a one-loss team. And at first I'm thinking, well, the big thing that hurts the Big 12, they don't have a conference game. So, like, if Clemson lost and and Louisville, not Louisiana, Louisville, got into that ACC title game, maybe I would take a Louisville because they played that title game. And the big thing for the big twelve is you gotta finish undefeated and that just kind of sparked that whole question but Brandon I'm gonna ask you this how would let's say they do finish undefeated so either Baylor West Virginia finish as undefeated at the end of the year how do they fare how will they fare in the college football playoff rankings this year
0: i I don't I don't think that they're they're going to I don't think they're going to be in there I don't think they're going to be in that discussion I just I don't think so I, I think that when you take a look at some of the other teams who would be in front of them mm-hmm. who have played I think uh, who've had better who've had tougher schedules yep. um who have played more difficult opponents I think that that's what um, is going to be looked at I, I, I just don't see it for for Baylor or for West Virginia I don't think that either of those teams uh really cracked the 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 top five mm-hmm. for sure. I mean those you know that's 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 the important right up yeah. important ones right up there. I don't think they do it. I don't think they do it. I mean you know Baylor's just coming off of playing playing Kansas team that they blew out. Then they'll play Texas, TCU, not ranked, uh, Oklahoma, who's ranked but low, um, Kansas State, Texas Tech, and then they'll play West Virginia to end the season. Who's ranked number twenty right now? I just don't think either of them have enough power to be able to get up to the top in the rankings, especially when you look at their when you look at their schedules. I just don't think that that's going to be something that uh, you look at and go, yeah, you know, they played some really really good opponents, Mm -hmm. so they're going to you know just shoot all the way up to the top. And I mean, it's the same thing for West Virginia. They have TCU, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma, ISU. And then Baylor again to end the season. So there's no one in there that I'm I'm looking at and going, Yeah, man, if they if they beat all those teams, they're gonna shoot right up to the top. It's not gonna happen.
1: The thing that hurts the Big Twelve this year, and I do agree with you, you look at their schedules, you look at the Big Twelve conference in general, and you're thinking, There's not enough there. There's not enough substance there where Big Twelve fans are probably saying, Well, what are you talking about, Brandon? That Oklahoma game is going to be huge maybe for an Oklahoma or a Baylor fan, for two guys sitting here in Chicago, doesn't appease us often. Now, would we maybe say that more? Well, would you maybe say that about a random SEC game, and I would say that more about a Big Ten game? Yes, that's just how it is, where I feel like the Oklahoma fans, the Baylor fans, are going to be like, oh, that's a big game, but it's not a big game to us because we're not in it and we're just looking at the records. The big thing that is going to hurt The Big 12 this year as we get into college football rankings is I've been saying it since the beginning. Yes, it is coming back, but it will not be here this year. You don't have a title game. You do not have a conference title game. You need a conference title game in order to, I'm going to say it, in order to make the playoffs. You need it. You absolutely need it. That's what you need. Now, what you're saying is, but Ricky, Oklahoma made it last year. Yes, because Oklahoma fell into a perfect situation. Undefeated, they were the fourth undefeated team. They were able to get on in. This year, not so fast. There are not that many opportunities. Clemson, they are your biggest. To me, that's the biggest team that Baylor and West Virginia can root for. Well, root against, I should say. Because out of the four undefeated teams, Washington, Alabama, Alabama, Uh, Alabama Tech Zaynam, I'll throw them into one because it's the same conference and they're playing each other this week. Michigan, Ohio State, out of those teams of those power fives, and then Clemson, Clemson's your one where they are. If I was to say who's getting knocked off the first, it's the ACC. But you got to finish undefeated in your conference. You got to hope one of the other power fives doesn't go undefeated. And then you have to just hope and pray. And the the really big thing that hurts this this conference is the Big Ten. I'm going to say the Big Ten because the way the Big Ten is going, we could be in a discussion, Brandon, within two weeks where we might have a discussion of could two Big Ten teams make the college football playoff? Because we could be in a situation where Michigan and Ohio State go undefeated. They play that last game. I believe it's in the horseshoe this year. They play that game. If that's a close one, Of course, the winner is going to the Big 12 title game, and the loser isn't. But then it's like, well, what if Nebraska goes undefeated? And then they beat whoever wins that East team. It's like you have no winner. Like, you can't root for anybody in the Big 10 if you're from the Big 12 because Michigan could win but then lose. But, oh, they lost to to Nebraska, so Nebraska would then get into the playoff. Your biggest proponents are to root against Washington and to root against Clemson. Do I see any of those teams losing? No, because the Pac-12 is weak this year. It is weak. Stanford is not the same. Oregon is not the same. Washington seems to be running away with that conference. The ACC, could Clemson lose? Yes, they almost lost this week to NC State, but they could and most likely will be able to push out that undefeated. However, I'm only putting it at about maybe a 45, not 45, a 55% chance that that happens. And then the Big Ten, like I said, it's either going to be Nebraska, Ohio State, or Michigan. One of those teams are going to the playoffs. Oh, yeah, and then the SEC. Do I even have to say they're going to be in there no matter what? So to me, at the end of it, I think there's going to be too many outside factors to where even if Baylor and West Virginia do go undefeated, everything that I just rambled about is not going to fall their way.
0: I agree with you. I, I think Brandon's that,
1: like I caught none of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I agree with you. I think that when you take, it, I, I'll look at it right now from 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 Clemson's perspective. Mm-hmm. Clemson has one more chance to lose. It's next weekend, or excuse me, not that it's next weekend. It's but it's their next game. It's yeah. the next weekend that they play, which is on the 29th. They play against Florida State, and that's the only other chance that Clemson has to lose.
1: What if they play? And I'll throw this out. What if they play North Carolina in the ACC title game? Could that be a possible loss? The rematch, North Carolina, neutral state. North Carolina should have beat them last year. Would you say that's a possible loss, too, or that's just a, Florida State?
0: I'm looking at only the the, the regular season okay. without talking about okay. the, 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 you know, the championship game. So I think that Florida State's the only other yeah. loss that, that could happen. That mm-hmm. could happen. It hasn't happened. It may not. But I think that for them, that's the only other one. And I, I think that the thing is, though, is that even if they lose and it drops out out of the top five, Baylor and West Virginia aren't getting there. Baylor and West Virginia just aren't getting there. And I think that I think that we've seen a a pretty weak Big Twelve this season. In all honesty, I think we've seen a pretty weak Big Twelve.
1: Oklahoma's fallen. Oklahoma off. Oklahoma
0: has fallen off. Texas, Texas has has Texas has has continued to not live up to expectations. I, I think
1: that after raising the bar week one.
0: Oklahoma State hasn't done well. Uh, there's just been all, all these teams in the Big Twelve that have not been been very good. So I think that people would even look at you know Baylor and and West Virginia. You know they have a good season. They go undefeated. Both the teams go undefeated. I think they look at and go, well, you're coming from a, the, the Big Twelve, and I, I think that they wouldn't even talk about you know you don't have a title mm-hmm. game. You would they would say, look who the teams in your conference are. Now look at the teams in the Big Ten Conference. Look at the teams in the SEC Conference. I, I think that that's that that's a simple enough case to say, you know what? There's n- there's not enough here to get you in. There's not enough here. There's there's more here for a one loss, mm-hmm. you know, Nebraska team. There's more here for a one loss Michigan team or whoever ends up you know losing at the at yeah. the end of the day there. There's more there because there is. So I think that that's just, these two teams, it's an interesting discussion to talk about. It's not going
1: to happen. The big thing that I, and this is what I think, and this is me going off of last year. Remember last year we came in, we're like, oh, well, we I think we got a good idea of the college football playoff rankings because this is how the committee did it last year. Completely different. Last year was all about conference championships. How many conference championships did you win this year? Did you win your conference championship? Did you lose? Here's the big thing that I could see happening this year in the Big 12, which would just kill this discussion right away. And before I say that, I will answer our question. In undefeated, if there is a for sure undefeated team in the Big 12, they do stand a chance for the college football playoffs. However, the only way they stand that chance is if Clemson, the Big 10, SEC, or Pac-12, which is Washington, if any of those four teams, any of those four teams that would be coming out of that have one loss, because then you could make the discussion, well, we won our conference right out. We don't have any ties, and we're undefeated. However, the way I think things are going to play out, which that won't matter, is I think Oklahoma is going to play spoiler to somebody. They're going to play spoiler to either West Virginia Or Baylor, They're not going to beat them both. And what I think is going to happen, I'm not going to tell you who they're going to play spoiler to because it doesn't really matter. Let's say for right now, Brandon, pick one. West Virginia or Baylor? Baylor. Oklahoma's going to beat Baylor there. Then what's going to happen on December 3rd is West Virginia is going to beat Baylor. No, Baylor then is going to beat West Virginia. Boom. Both those teams will have one loss at the end of the year. Co-Big 12 champions won't fucking matter because you're co-champions, you're not a real champion, and then maybe a one-loss team from a different conference will get in. And the reason why I say that may happen is, one, Oklahoma can play these teams tough. They can play, spoiler, that's how they are in this season. I'm looking at Winsipedia, a website I just found, by the way. This thing's great. I just looked at Texas A&M, Alabama in the first segment. I put Baylor and West Virginia in now, and I can look at their um, history together. Four meetings between this team before between these two teams guess what the win losses are between these two teams in four meetings Brandon two and two they are split right down the middle and it's funny largest victory for Baylor are for um Baylor is 37 to 42 largest victory for West Virginia is 41 27 so this is going to be a blowout whoever is going to win. But at the end of the day, I think that both these teams finish with one loss. They'll play each other. One of them will lose to Oklahoma. And at the end of the end of the year, we're not having this discussion. This discussion, you're looking back at it, going, "Wow, why did you guys waste time on this discussion?" Because it doesn't matter because they're co champions. Yeah,
0: I, 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 I don't. Again, you know, I think it's an interesting discussion to have, uh, but it's not going to happen. I mean, it's not going to happen. I, I think that you you take a look at you know the the ACC Clemson is 7 and 0 Louisville 5 and 1 they've lost to Clemson mm-hmm. Florida State they're 5 and 2 they've lost to Louisville and they've lost to uh, North Carolina uh, then you then you you look at North Carolina, you know North Carolina's 5 and 2 Baylor they're 6 and 0 haven't played really anybody uh, Oklahoma they're 4 and 2 they lost they got blown out by Ohio State they lost to uh, Houston West Virginia, they're five and zero, haven't really played anybody. Oklahoma State, they're four and two. They have a loss to Baylor and CMU. TCU, they're four and two. Case State, they're three and three. Texas, three and three. It's not a strong Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. It's not a strong Big Twelve. It's it's different if Baylor's six and zero. Oklahoma is five and one, and their loss was to Houston, or their loss was to Ohio State. Be different if Oklahoma State was six and zero. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. We can sit here and we can talk about scenarios and we can bring in stats and we can do all this <laughs> stuff. It's not going to happen. Based on some of the what stuff that, that I just said there, it's and what, what you And Brandon's just
1: doing the eye test.
0: But seriously, and I think that that's sometimes what people are going to do. Mm-hmm. They're going to do the eye. They're gonna. They're gonna go. Okay. Big Twelve, ACC, Big Twelve, Big Ten. Okay, let me look down here, and then let me just go and look and see who they've lost to. Okay, okay, they've they've really played played some meat in their schedule. Okay, oh, they've played. Uh, you know, they were they were they were ranked twenty at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, that is simple enough. Getting everything else, I would do that for if it was for someone who was going to make it.
1: They're not going to make it.
0: They're not going to come close.
1: The bottom line. This is what I want to end this discussion with is. Everything that you were just talking about when you ran down the division or down the conference, basically it's a division because it's one whole thing. But the thing that I thought about yesterday was the Big 12 is still, to this day, trying to recover from losing Nebraska, Mizzou, and Texas A&M. And Colorado, you can throw in there because they left too. Losing those four teams to the Pac-12, Big 10 – and SEC because I thought this thought. Wow, we talk about Nebraska's defense. We talk about the Black Shirts. Yeah, but they played in the Big Twelve. And I'm like, oh, the Big Twelve didn't always used to be a no defense conference. That's when those four teams left. Colorado kind of not as high because they weren't that good in the Big Twelve. But besides that team, those teams that left played a little bit more defense than the ones that we see now. So you guys can let us know down below in the comment section what you guys think. Do you think an undefeated Big 12 team will fare well in the college football playoff rankings? And what do you think about anything we talked about with the Big 12 teams and the CFP playoff rankings, or that's redundant, CFP rankings is what I should have said. We're going to move into our last discussion, though. We're going to be talking to some head coaches, Brandon, and uh, some ones that are on the hot seat. I'm going to start with one. That you mentioned before we started recording. And we've talked about him a little bit here and there, but Mark Helfrich from the Oregon Ducks, not a good season for Helfrich, two and four, oh and three. And the one thing I saw in an ESPN short video last week when they were talking about a little hot seats is the exact quote was, oh, and that big or uh, that college football playoff championship that they were in a while ago. Seems like it's been a lifetime away. What do you think? Helfrich on the hot seat? Is he going to get fired at the end of the year?
0: You know, I think that right now it's not looking good for him. It's not looking good for him at all. I, I think that it, it just doesn't It doesn't bode well that he's had all these losses, that the team has been unable to turn it around. I, I think that, you know, I was trying to, to watch a, a little bit of the discussion uh, between him and who was it, Tom Rinaldi yesterday mm-hmm. um, on uh, you know ESPN college football, you know the college football uh, pregame show, yeah. um, game day, and I, I wasn't able to really catch a whole lot, but I think it sounds like the players like him. I think it sounds like you know it it, it it's going well uh, for for him. Uh, with with at least in terms of the players uh, it's just not there th- with the return that you need to see from the players on the field and and I think that after a while a program such as Oregon's where it was so so good at one point and, and you know that goes back to the Marcus Mariotas and and everything like that it needs to get back there and if that needs to be with someone else, it needs to be with someone else. And if they need to make the change, they'll they'll make the change. But I I think that he right now is probably one of the coaches on the hottest seats uh, at this point in the season uh, just because it's just been such poor play.
1: Well, and I'm going to throw this out as a joke, so before everyone kind of crucifies me for it. Do you think some Oregon fans are kind of hoping that uh, the 49ers do bad enough so that that— 49ers can fire Chip Kelly, Oregon can fire Helfrich, and they can just bring Chip Kelly back to Oregon. Think some fans are thinking that way, that crazy way. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but with I this, don't think so. With this, on a serious note, with Ricky not trying to make um, big jokes, is the big thing that to go off of your point that I think is affecting this team is yeah, his first year, eleven and two, they lose or they win in the Alamo Bowl. Pardon me. Then it's the thirteen and two season eight one, but who was your quarterback, Marcus Mariota? Then after that nine and four, yeah, it's a good season, but you lose in the Alamo Bowl. You finish second in the Pac twelve, and then this year two and four with a three and uh, or zero oh, and three. Pardon me in the Pac twelve conference. And the big thing for me that I look at is I, I, I tend to look at okay, how has the recruiting, how is that fared up? overall over the years and to me I would off the top of my head I would say that Chip Kelly did a better job of just bringing guys in because especially the quarterback position Vernon Adams didn't do well and now now moving on from Vernon Adams you you the thing for an Oregon offense to run it's great to have a coach that has been in the system and, oh, he's in the system here, he's in the system there, he's been in the system. But if you don't have that quarterback that they can latch on to, Chip Kelly had it for years. Then you had Helfrich had it with Mariota for those two years before Mariota went to that championship game and then went on to the NFL. He hasn't found that quarterback to be his guy after Mariota, and I think that's the biggest thing that the Oregon Ducks have been missing, and they've kind of gone away from their, uh, their. I'm going to say their identity a little bit, not blowing out teams anymore.
0: No, they're the team getting blown out. And, and, that's, and that's the thing, is that, you know, they won their first two games, you know, against really nobody, uh, and then they play uh, at Nebraska. They lose by three. They play Colorado at home. They lose by three. They play... Washington State, they lose 51 to 33, and then home against Washington, and they lose 70 to 21. Not only do they ha- not have, you know, that, that solid guy at quarterback, they don't have a very good defense. The, really, the pieces just aren't there right now for the Oregon Ducks at two and four, sixth in the Pac-12 North Division. It's just not going well at well, all, and 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 moving forward, you're at Cal mm-hmm. this upcoming weekend. Then Arizona State, USC, Stanford, Utah, Oregon State—all teams that could give them some trouble.
1: Well, I mentioned the recruiting thing, and I did a little bit of research right now. Since Helfrich took over in 2013 to 2016, so the rank, the the recruiting rankings coming into. This past season, or the season that we're in now, I should say. Here are the rankings the state or the country rankings for Oregon. They were 19th, the 19th best recruiting class in 2013, the 21st best recruiting class in 2014, the 16th best recruiting class in 2015, and then coming into this year, the 28th recruiting class coming into the 2016 season. It's stuff like that that if if I'm a booster, if I'm someone looking at this program, I'm going, okay, Helfrich, you can do all the best things on the field, but you got to get kids into the door first. got to get them into the door because if we don't get them to play on the field, they can't do good things for us.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I absolutely do, and I think that that's one of the things, too, that you have to take a look at is, you know, is Oregon falling down in the recruiting process. And I I think that that's something that people really do believe that they are. And and by the stats that you're just throwing out there now, I I would agree with that. And I I think that that's something that they really need to turn around if they want to be able to be better for the future. And that's one of the things, too, that, you know, does does Helfrich have a plan of how to turn it around for the future? Mm -hmm. If he doesn't, that's a problem.
1: Well, it's one of those things where... You look at a coach, and I just went three years before Helfrich, 2010, 13th overall, 2011, 12th overall, 2000 and, yeah, so 10 was 13, um, 11 was 12, and then 12 was 13. That's consistent with Chip Kelly. That is just consistent right there, but you're just outside that top 10. You're just outside of it. I can deal with being 12, 13, then drop in 19, 21st, 16, 28th. And the one point I was going to make is when you get to that fourth year that Helfrich is in right now, you look at this football team and you go, this is your team. Those two years that he had the 11 and 2, the 13 and 2 team, those weren't his team. That was Chip Kelly's team. Those were guys that Chip Kelly brought in in his recruitment. Last year and this year are now this year more so than last year. These are Helfrich's guys. These are the guys that he was su- apparently recruiting in 2013 and building that team for the future. And now we're seeing that maybe the recruiting's not as strong as it used to be.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the, one of the key things is, is that you can play with someone's guys for so long mm-hmm. and it can look good. Yep. And then when you finally get your own people in there, then then no one's going to say, well, before they were probably saying, oh, well, he's not that great of a head coach because he's playing with, you know, Kelly's guys. Or, you know, maybe they, they overlooked that. But now knowing that it's going to be his guys that he's using, that he's going out there, that he's recruiting, that he's looking for the positions to bring them in, mm-hmm. you can be able to to make a good case to say maybe it's him. Maybe it's him, and and that's, that's what ends up happening at the end of the day is all those things end up pointing to the head coach, and that's when people think that that's when the, the athletic director says it's time to make a change.
1: Well, and that's exactly what it is, but before we spend the whole entire last part of the podcast on Oregon, give me another coach that you think is on the hot seat.
0: Hugh Freeze, and that's that's a sleeper. That's a sleeper I on can the see hot it, seat.
1: Though. I can see it.
0: Last year, they were 10-3 and 3 overall. This year, they're three and three. They've already matched their season loss total from last and year. And
1: losses to Arkansas and Alabama in conference. A loss where you had the lead in week one and then lost it to a rookie quarterback in Francois in FSU. And
0: I and I and I know I, I say Hugh Freeze as a, as a sleeper. His last two seasons, he's gone. Nine and four, and then ten and three, respectively, in in fourteen, fifteen. So, do I actually think he's going to get fired? No, I do not. But already three losses at this point in the season, Ole Miss definitely will have to put the uh, to the foot to the pedal and mm-hmm. make sure that they end up with a really good end to the season. Uh, that's going to be crucial for them to be able to make sure that. Uh, that 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 they don't look at Hugh Freeze and start to question things there because one bad season, I don't think that they're going to fire him. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't end well, if it it continues to go down the road of you know this three and three path that they're on right now and and continue to have more losses, that's not going to be good for the head coach moving forward. Because then you have more chatter of oh, is he is he getting too old? You know, not too old, but is he mm-hmm. getting stale in the in that position and things like that? That is going to be the key.
1: I am going to give. Two points. One point is going to be on the side of a bad for Hugh Freeze. The other is going to be maybe a saving grace and why he won't get fired this year. The first one is you look at everything, all the drama coming into this season when you have the stuff about Kim Dietschy that came out in the draft, obviously the stuff about Laramie Tunsil that came out in the draft. It didn't start out as a good year for Old Miss. That's going on the negative side for Hugh Freeze. The positive thing for Hugh Freeze and what could save his job and he can fall back on, even though it would kind of be in some people's eyes him uh, throwing a player under the bus, is he can look at it and look at Chad Kelly and go, hey, Chad Kelly hasn't been the same guy we saw last year. I haven't had my quarterback that I had last year. Chad Kelly had about, he was completing 65% of his passes, down 3% this year to 62 over 60% is still good, but it's still down a little bit than it was last year. Last year, over 4,000 yards. This time through six, he is just under 2,000 yards at 1,849. He's averaging about the same amount of yards per play, but touchdowns. He had 31 and 13 touchdown to INT this year, 14 to 5 and his quarterback rating is even down three points. So it's not one of those things where you can say, well, Cad a or Chad Kelly
0: Cad has
1: been a bust this year, hasn't been good. But what you might be able to say is, you know what? He hasn't been as good as he was last year. And if Chad Kelly was a little bit better, then maybe I would have won some more games. Maybe be a saving grace for Hugh Freeze. Maybe get him one more. I, I'm talking about it like he's going to get fired at the end of the year. Maybe give him one more year if he is on a hot seat.
0: And the only reason I say that, and I say hot seat, I'm more with him. I'm saying hot seat moving forward because I, I, I don't think that, uh, I, like I said, I don't think that he's going to get fired this season. How, but I do think that he needs to really have a good finish to this season because if he does not, that will be the thing that opens up next year. How
1: about I give you this? Out of four flames, one being the lo- one being the coolest seat, four being the warmest seat, How many flames you given Hugh Hugh Freeze? Uh, One. So, so, so it's on the mild setting. It's on that low setting, but it's it's kind of got. If you're cooking a good soup, it's got that little simmer there. That's like I've cooked the soup. I just want it to be warm for when I go back for seconds. That's what Hugh Freeze has going. I'm gonna throw out one that uh, we talked about last week. That fans are probably gonna be like, "Why are they talking about him again?" But I want to hear what you have to say because I almost made this a topic for today, but. We discussed and you know what we talked about him last week. I'm going to stop blabbering. Brian Kelly, four out of four on the uh, the flames of hotness for the hot seat. And you were saying before the podcast that you uh, he's running this team right into the ground, especially after pulling Kaiser in yesterday's game and putting in Malik Zaire.
0: Yeah, I think so. I, I think that I think that uh, Brian Kelly has really pressed the panic button. I think he's absolutely pressed the panic button. Uh, This is uh, going to be probably the worst season. It's going to be. It's going. It is. It is the worst season under Brian Kelly uh, since he's been here at Notre Dame. And you know, some people might may say. You know, other Notre Dame fans would say Brandon. Maybe you you know, you're you're overreacting. No, I'm not. You're over. (laughs) You're underreacting if you don't think that he needs to go because this is not good. This is not good. And this is now we're 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 finding out the what Brian Kelly is like when it gets hot under the collar. And Mm -hmm. right now he's hot and bothered. We know that. But he's not, I don't think, handling it the right way. I just don't think that Brian Kelly is no longer, I don't think he's any longer the answer at, at Notre Dame. And if you can't find anyone better, is Brian Kelly a good coach? Has he been a good coach? Absolutely he has. And is he a good coach? Yes, I do think he's a good coach. But I think that... Maybe his time at Notre Dame is up. Maybe it's time to try out something else. If you can, but that's the key. If you can't get anyone who you think is going to be better, don't make a change for the sake of change. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. And that's not what I want. I want to be able to try and get less Miles. I think that that would be a great move. I think that Notre Dame, though, needs to take a long, hard look at where they're at right now with this season and see where they want to be going forward because that's going to be a key thing for them. Where do you want to be? Where do you want to be? And and I think that uh, right now is not where they want to be.
1: Well, and the big thing is Notre Dame's got a lot of history that you can come into it as a head coach. And I'm looking right now at our comments from a week ago on that segment with uh, Brian Kelly. A lot of uh, no way, hell no... Um, There's one I will say Dennis said uh, I'd fire Brian Kelly in a heartbeat if I had the inside scoop and knew that Les Miles was heading to South Bend. And are you kidding me? But the one comment that kind of struck me this week, that you being the Notre Dame fan, I want to read this comment to you from Rick. Thanks, Rick, for uh, submitting the comment for us. I'm going to read it to you, and you kind of respond to it because you're the Notre Dame fan. You ready for it? Rick says, and I quote, Coach Kelly has kept – has kept winning records for Notre Dame. One tough season is jumping the gun. There's been quite a few seasoned players who left last year. Let's see the rest of the season, which is tougher than we all expected, and next year. Then you can really assess his performance. A lot of his remarks are taken out of context. End comment. What do you think?
0: I I think that... He's absolutely right in saying that Brian Kelly has had uh, some a lot of good winning seasons for Notre Dame. I thought that Notre Dame last year was really good, but everything's really good when it's going good, right?
1: But when it's going bad, but
0: when it's going bad is when you, you know, find out what people are like. And I think that we're starting to find out what the maybe what the real Brian Kelly is is all about. And and I think that you know, right now it's not going well. Did did we lose some some people from last year? Certainly we did. I mean, uh, one guy in particular, Will Fuller. I mean, that was a huge loss for, for Notre Dame. Threat. That's a yeah,
1: deep ball absolutely. threat. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. And and I think that I think that it's it's huge to To look at guys that we've we've lost, it's a big big deal to take a look and see. Okay, who have we lost? Who needs to? Who 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 do we still have here? Who needs to step up in those positions? I I do think I, I can understand that uh, being able to to wait, you know, and see how next year goes. But I just think that with some of the stuff that is that has happened uh, this season i i think that if you have an opportunity to try and get less miles if you can find out in any way if less miles is interested in coming to to Notre Dame then you make that change uh i think that brian kelly uh has made comments that that are not good i don't think they're being taken out of context mm-hmm. you 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 make a statement because that's what you mean it's not i don't think it's being taken out of context at all you're you're putting blame on some of your players where it's the the, ga- the the loss of the game is not their fault. It's not the center's fault because he had a bad snap in a game that shouldn't have ever been played <laughs> when you have 10 fumbles. Uh, that's, that's not being taken out of context. Brian Kelly literally did say that he basically lost the game for them. So I think that Brian Kelly has done a lot of things wrong this season. And this rest of the schedule, if playing last night is any kind of view into how the rest of the season is going to go, it's not going to go well. Because right now Notre Dame can't score points. And their defense, even only giving up 17 points, is going to be, they're being asked to basically hold teams to 7 points because Notre Dame may only score 7.5. You know, I mean, it's basically at that point right now. So I think that right now it's, it's not, it's not going well for Notre Dame, and at the end of the season, it it better be, I think, analyzed and really needs they need to take a long, hard look at where they want to go with this team and who they want as their leader.
1: Well, and that was just one I threw out. That was one comment that kind of sparked out to me, and I want to thank Rick again for submitting that comment. But I got one last coach that we're going to end this podcast with, kind of a lighthearted one because uh, – I don't know how he still has a job. I still don't know how he has a job, and i'm gonna go with uh Daryl hazel from uh, purdue how does he st- how does he still have a job? i mean I know you're you might be saying well ricky, you're kicking a you're kicking a horse while he's down uh but one and eleven three and nine two and ten now he's i guess three and three is better, but uh is purdue really gonna be a winner under uh Daryl Hazel, are they really gonna be a winner under Hazel? I don't think so. I think you move, you should have moved on last year. you gotta move on this year. I think that he's gonna move on because I don't think Purdue yeah, three and three is I'm gonna say cute, but you beat Eastern Kentucky, Nevada, and Illinois. Whoopty frickin do you beat Illinois in their first year under Lovey Smith. You got Nebraska, Penn State, Minnesota, Northwestern Wisconsin. And Indiana coming up, you could finish with three three wins the rest of the way. What do you think, Swanee?
0: I don't think that uh, Daryl Hazel has been a good fit at Purdue at all. I don't think he's been a good fit. I, I think that he's. I feel like he's always nervous. I I just I'd be nervous
1: too if I was the head coach of a shitty team.
0: Yeah, I I just don't think that he's the right. I don't think that he's the right fit. I don't think he's the right fit there at all. I think that they definitely need to to. They need to also be a team that takes a good hard look at how th- how they want to move forward. Mm-hmm. That's the. I mean, that's what do you, do you want do you your identity continue to, to be? Exactly. Do you want to continue to have stuff like this happen? I agree with you. Where do you want want this team to go? What do you want this team's identity to be? That's a really important question to be asked. If you're okay with just being meh, then you know what? Continue to be that way. But I think that if you really want this team to move forward, you will certainly change it up at the end of the season.
1: But like we close every podcast, Brandon, you got anything for uh Swanee's final final thoughts, final minutes? We'll go final thoughts. We don't wanna be like some other show that steals the final thoughts thing.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, so Halloween's coming up, obviously, everybody. And uh looking for that Halloween costume.
1: The Bone Zone. You know as Ken Bone? Ken Bone. Um
0: basically I just need to wear a red sweater.
1: Yeah, I get the mustache. Mustache, glasses.
0: glasses. Maybe a
1: fat suit. That's not shaming. That's the truth. <laughs> I, I can say that I'm a fat guy myself. Wearing red today. I'm going as Ken Bone. This is the Ken Bone non-sweater edition.
0: Well, uh, For yeah. For all seasons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, one, one of my friends, him and his girlfriend are going as Mickey and Minnie. Cute. So sure you <laughs>
1: goes Donald Duck. And
0: uh, one of my friends is going as Pluto. Well, no. Goofy. Goofy Pluto, I don't know one of the goes guys. Both dogs. And then they then they uh, said, "Oh, you should go as uh, D- Donald Duck." No thanks, I don't really want
1: to. You can go as Porky Pig, just be completely different. Warner yeah. Brothers, yeah, screw Disney, yeah. So uh,
0: <laughs> th- then they also threw out, "Oh, you could go as Donald Trump and have you could just uh you know have one of your friends go, mm-hmm. uh, you know, girl and and, and uh, Hillary, they can be Hillary Clinton." Well, that's funny. It's hilarious. Um but uh, you guys I, Bernie? you know, I could. I don't know if I'd look old
1: enough. Well you just gotta get uh the one of the swimmers caps, uh paint it tan and then put some hair on the side.
0: Sure. Of course.
1: Of course. They have wigs and skin caps for that? They do. They do.
0: They do. That's that's really getting into it. Uh so um one of my friends Brian's like I
1: ain't got that much time, Ricky.
0: No, one of my one of my <laughs> friends he sent me something and he said I it he sent me a link to an adult inflatable riding gorilla costume at Target. Mm-hmm. So basically, Harambe,
1: sexy Harambe,
0: sexy Harambe. You could be
1: sexy Harambe. I could.
0: So I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm throwing it out to you. I need your help. I would love some suggestions. Uh, really, I'm serious. I would really love some suggestions, and not that I'll take them. But uh, I, I, would, we, I, I think, would love to have them thrown out there. I
1: think for uh, the channel, we should have you pick one of them and dress up as for the channel and do a video podcast as that, co- in Maybe. that costume. Maybe we'll think about it. We'll th- we'll think about that. But let Brandon know what costume he should uh, go at the, this Halloween for uh, his little parties, his little shindigs that he goes to. But that's going to do it for the primetime podcast. Let us know down below as well. What you guys thought about the podcast today. If you're joining us on Blog Talk Radio, thank you guys for listening in again. If you're on YouTube, thank you for looking at our faces and watching us talk to you guys today. Or if you're one of those people that's like, Ricky, it's great that I can see you, but I just click off and I listen to you guys like a podcast. Thank you for listening as well. This has been the Primetime Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter. Those are in the description. Also, Patreon, patreon patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. You like this video podcast? You want to see more of them? Check out the Patreon. Cool rewards, and that way, that support can help us to do more video podcasts like this for you. I want to thank you guys for listening and watching. We'll be back next week. And as always, have a good day, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast.